0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz Basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN Seven Hundred. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. My co-host today, the Spencer Ryan Hall Machine. The Spencer I don't know why Hall. I started that sentence with the, and then it's, I kind of It's had to the like right call. Come it felt up with right. Something at the end there, but anyway, Spencer Hall joining us. He's the founder of Salt City Hoops. Uh I'm excited to have you on, by the way. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for kind of subbing in. Ben, again, can't join us. One day we'll get Ben in. I mean, we had him last week, let's be real. But um, we're excited to have Ben back in town. He's still got the Canadian accent a little bit, (laughs) but uh, that's okay. We're excited to have that on the air. Um, Anyway, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on uh, this week in in Jazzland. The schedule came out yesterday, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, Right now, Gordon Hayward is in Las Vegas with Team USA and uh, 33 other of of the finest American basketball players that exist. Uh, There's also some talk about whether or not the Jazz are going to make the playoffs. Uh, Derek Favors was interviewed by uh, Aaron and I on Monday at a charity event about his uh, kind of his goals for this season and and whether or not he thinks the Jazz can make the playoffs. We're going to be talking about that later on in the show. And then we have some fantastic guests today. Uh, We've got both beat writers from the the major papers here in in the Salt Lake area, the Salt Lake Tribune and the Deseret News. We do have Aaron Falk joining us at 7.30 today talking about uh, he went down to Vegas to cover Gordon Hayward's time with with the USA basketball team. We're going to be asking him about that, asking him about Derek's disappointment not to be selected on that team, uh, Dante Axum's injury, and more. We'll be talking to Jody Genesee at 8 o'clock. He's a beat writer for the Deseret News and and the Utah Jazz. Uh, kind of talking about it, more of the same, plus a little bit of the, the Dante Axum question of, you know, do you replace him or or do you kind of roll with the, the point guards you have with Trey Burke, Bryce Cotton, and Raul Neto? So uh, he had a report on that earlier in the week about Garrett Temple. We'll kind of talk about that. And then we have Michael Lohman from uh, SLC Dunk. I'm kind of excited to argue with him because he, he's on the other side of the, the table, if you will, uh, in terms of whether or not he thinks the Jazz should replace Dante Exum with, with a better point guard than the three names I've just mentioned. We're going to have a little mock debate for 10 minutes or so on the show at about 830. So we've got kind of a fun slate today.
2: That sounds amazing. <laughs>
1: I can't wait. All right, well, it's all it's all coming up. You're you're a part
2: of it, Spencer. Well, um, well, I, you know, I I always say this, but the NBA summer is almost more exciting to me sometimes than the regular season.
1: Well, and you're not alone. I I've shared this on the air before, but Salt City Hoops gets significantly more page views during the off season than the season. Sometimes, uh, maybe this this year kind of accepted, uh, just because that March period when the jazz all of a sudden became really good was such an exciting time for jazz fans so so far in 2015 our best month has been march uh but in the last four or five seasons it's actually been that june and july are the most trafficked times on salt city hoops just because there's so much interest in who the jazz are going to acquire uh you know what's what does the roster look like next season what do these draft picks look like et cetera, et cetera? and it's you know it's a really interesting time in the in the year despite there not being any jazz games.
2: Yeah, I th- with the schedule release, I thought it was amazing the detail people went into with <laughs> breaking down all the details. Every team's going to play 82 games. Uh, but people treated it like, you know, it was some glimpse into what the basketball <laughs> gods uh, would foretold, would, would have in store for us for the next couple months.
1: See, I would... I would make fun of those people too, except I am one. <laughs> so. No, and,
2: and I, I, I made a point. I didn't want to make fun of everybody because as soon as I open my mouth with something like that, I do this sometimes during the NFL draft where it's multiple days and people mm. know what running back is going to go in the sixth round. But people can turn around and say, you know, you know, people who play for the Reno Bighorns, and you could maybe tell <laughs> tell me their roster. <laughs> so right. I have no, I have no moral high ground to make fun of another person's. Uh interesting sports fandom right. yeah and it's the same with with comic-con when comic-con comes through town it's easy to make fun of people who are grown and adults and probably have jobs and kids walking around dressed up like the favorite comic book hero but again i watch people basically dressed in pajamas play basketball <laughs> for a couple months you know for Nine months of the year,
1: yeah, and and which pajamas they wear is very important to right you. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what's the piping like on the on the sleeves, yeah, you know? yeah, I get into those things,
1: yeah, so it, it's really exactly like y- i ne- I always try to stay away from like attacking people's passions, if you will right. that's you know that's something that they really believe in right like, I don't know
2: well when it comes down to it, basketball is <laughs> pretty ridiculous, but you know we have a good time with all the details, and there was a little bit of intrigue this time with with the schedule release. Uh, Adam Silver had made a statement saying that he wanted to eliminate some of the, you know, four games and five nights. Uh, some of the injuries that we've seen over the last couple seasons, people were pointing to the way the schedule was structured as a as a reason for a lot of those injuries. You know, the league doesn't want to have the best players getting hurt in October and then out for the season. So when the schedule came out, we've seen that that's been eliminated for the most part. Most teams only have that you know, maybe once or so. What, what, yeah, what were the so final stats the, on
1: the stats are last year, there were last season, the 2014, 15 season, there were 74 game and five nights stretches for the 30 teams in the league. This year, that's been reduced to 27. So all teams have either one or zero of those four games and five nights. The jazz have one. Um, That's I mean, it's kind of like a mathematical problem in in my mind, like you've got 82 games that you've got to fit into like 160 days and you're trying to minimize the number of four games and five nights you have with these schedule constraints of, you know, the Spurs have a rodeo sometimes and and whatever else. Uh, And I think they basically did the math better this year, essentially, Mm -hmm. and kind of reducing those number of of four games and five nights stretches where, you know, you can see fatigue becomes a problem. And it looks like injuries become more of a problem, too, when you don't give players a need addressed.
2: Yeah. There's a significant change in the quality of play, playing on a back-to-back or, you know, playing. It, it's a real problem. It's You can see it in the numbers mm-hmm. that a team is going to play, you know, you can you can quantify the point drop off and and things like that with how much rest they've had
1: yeah i mean you see it in like the vegas betting lines for example mm. where teams on a back to back will get a 3 to 5 point drop just in terms of what uh bettors kind of expect to them to, for them to do you know that's that's on the lines of like a, having a star player or not right like that's mm. the difference between having a i don't know Maybe not a LeBron James, but like a Dirk Nowitzki, say on on your roster, and not like mm. if you can if you can manage that to the best of your ability and and minimize those sort of ridiculously tired games that you see, just the quality of play in the NBA gets a whole lot better.
2: Well, one thing that Jazz fans were interested in, there's always this thing about the Jazz don't play Sunday home games, and mm. so the idea Darren Williams kind of brought this up and seemed to resent it a little bit. The implication would be that the Jazz would have to play more back-to-backs and things like that. It looks like with this uh, with this season, that won't be the case, that just not playing Sunday home games isn't going to negatively affect uh, the rest of the Jazz schedule.
1: Yeah, they're about in the middle of the road in terms of absolute back-to-backs, and I, and I think it does hurt you maybe a little bit, but not not as much as some people say. Um, and, and certainly for kind of the the ethos of the organization and, quite frankly, the money-making of the organization, it just makes more sense to have uh, no Sunday home games. I mean, we've seen some problems with that with RSL attendance so far this mm. year. Uh, they have, I believe it's three Sunday home games this season, and have, they sold out the first one, which is great, but haven't sold out the other two. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we'd see even more of that in, in the Jazz's demographic.
2: Mm. Especially... When your team isn't winning. I think if the team is winning, you're going to fill that stadium yeah. no matter what. But you start to see it. If you need to get everybody there who you can, and you can't you know, put people in on a Friday night, you're definitely going to have trouble, I think, on a cold Sunday.
1: And maybe that's part of the issue with RSL, to be fair, as well, is that you know maybe people's expectations have dropped as the team's play yeah. has gone down. Uh, some other overall trends though, I want to mention with this Jazz schedule... I'm surprised there's no Christmas road trip this year. Like this has been a a tradition, unlike any other, <laughs> for for the Jazz. I mean, like since the the days of yes, of ways. yes, since since the days of Frank Layden, who kind of came up with the idea. It's like you know, guys are going to be distracted around the holiday season if they're at home, so you send them on the road and have them play basketball. Then uh, it's. Kind of a weird idea in Frank Layden's mind, but it seemed to have worked. But there is no Christmas road trip this season. In fact, the Jazz are at home from December 15th through the 22nd. Were that... there
2: were there reasons given for that?
1: No, there weren't. Um I suspect, actually, like in terms of these kind of we talked about the math that it requires to get the number of four games and five nights down from 70 to 27. I think part of it was reducing those sort of schedule um kind of. Minimally,
2: the historical quirks. That, yeah, I mean, this wasn't uh, like the like the Spurs had the rodeo. This wasn't like a Disney on Ice taking exactly. over Madison Square Garden or anything like that. There was no uh like tenant issue with the arena. Yeah, it's it was just, just like something the team had done, right? right?
1: And you know, the NBA had kind of put up with those for from all thirty teams for you know twenty five thirty years now, and now it seems like they are are less willing to do that in order to actually reduce the number of these tiresome some stretches. Yeah, well that's so, not a bad thing. I think that is. I think that is a good thing overall. Um the Jazz start out with 8 of 10 on the road. So that's kind of an interesting thing although those first game, three games I think are are pretty easy ones as far as road games go. Indiana, Detroit, and Philadelphia. Like that's that's as reasonable of, as a East Coast road trip as you can expect. Yeah,
2: so. get your confidence up, maybe get a few wins, start to feel like, hey, we can win on the road. Yeah. You know, winning on the road I think has uh, I, I think we're finally poised to see a Jazz team start to learn how to win on the road. Even even those great jazz teams never were, you know, I mean, the, you know, the 97 and 98 teams figured it out. But even then, some of the great jazz teams haven't been able to win on the road. And I've always wondered if there were historical things about the way the team prepared or the way, you yeah. know, the team approached it. So I'm I'm excited for a jazz team to learn how to win on the road.
1: I do think some of that is altitude in that mm. the Jazz have a better home record than maybe they should just because the, the altitude does tire out their opponents coming in. And usually um, the
2: team plays in Denver the night before and then comes in if they're coming yeah. from that side.
1: Um so yeah, I mean there's there's some stuff there and that's that's obviously kinda helpful to the Jazz. But you're right, like, and even in those '97, '98 seasons, you know, you would see like 38 and three home records, and then like 22 and 19 records right. on, really on the road. Right, really surprised like, a big difference. Big, big difference. They
2: weren't going to lose it at home, but they were very vulnerable on the road.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know, the Jazz, to their credit, last season that that really wasn't the case. You know, you kind of saw even-ish uh, splits last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think you know if if they're able to continue that and and perform better on the road. I think you know this Jazz team has a chance, and we'll talk about later on in the show whether or not they have a chance to make the playoffs. Um, other kind of overall trends for the schedule, uh, three national TV games, which is which is more than the Jazz have had in, in the last, I believe, four years. Um, they'll play February 19th home versus the Celtics at 8.30, February 25th home versus the Spurs at 8 o'clock, and April 13th away versus the Lakers on ESPN. That Spurs game, by the way, is a TNT game, which is... A, a, you know, very unusual occurrence for for this jazz team.
2: Yeah, and then if you include the NBA TV games, that's another three. So you mm-hmm. could really say six national TV games. So yeah. I think you know when we go to Vegas or we are in places in the in summer league and some of the bloggers from all the teams are there, the Jazz are very much everybody's darling. Like it's a, so a, true. among this kind of. Blogger scene. If Not I'd, even
1: it, just Charlie Widows, by the way. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone.
2: Yeah, but it is pretty amazing to go to these things and hear someone who's covering a New York team or something. You know, the Jazz are clearly their out of market favorite team. Um, and it, it, for a lot of good reasons. They were all on board last season before I think a lot of the, the bandwagon started yeah. when Gobert kind of emerged, Cantor got traded. Last summer, even, people were really excited about the Jazz. And that 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 is still there. I think people are. Excited to see what the Jazz can do.
1: Absolutely agree. And I think that's reflected in this national TV schedule where, you know, all of a sudden they're well on it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They are in the league. Yeah, it's like they exist. Uh, You know, the NBA is not still like completely fair with their TV schedule. For example, um, the ABC games, for example, uh, they're doing eight Saturday night games and eight Sunday games. Those Saturday night uh, kind of primetime games are eight different games featuring only seven different teams from the league. Wow. So, like, you know, it's still there's clear the clearly still the haves and have nots in terms of national TV exposure. And the Jazz are definitely amongst the have nots. But it's a step up from where they were. Yeah.
2: You know? And I don't mind that. I, don't, I really don't. I,
1: I don't you like have a pro- up on the-
2: well yeah and I don't I don't ever have a problem with the league featuring their marquee teams. Yeah. The problems were a couple of years ago when the Knicks had completely fallen off and were still on the schedule. Somehow the league needs to have a little flexibility. If if the Knicks are the worst team in in you know a historically bad team, you know nobody wants to see that.
1: Not even people in New York. No, right? they're they're watching even the mediocre Brooklyn Nets. Over, right, but I over get
2: you know I get it when you know when LeBron was in Miami and they'd be on all the time, but the Cleveland's going to be on a lot of times. The Golden State Warriors are going to be on a lot of yeah, times. The Lakers sure. are going to sneak they in. To that just to be. That just makes sense. That's, that's good business sense. So I don't wait, have a problem is, with is it. Is the
1: Lakers okay, but the, the oh, Knicks right. aren't? Because like the Lakers <laughs> were not a very good basketball that's team a, That's year. a good
2: point. The Lakers were a good example of a team that shouldn't be on. I, for some reason, there's just a little bit of uh, pleasure I take watching a horrible Laker team just completely destroy itself on national TV. I mean, so this, in that sense, I enjoy it.
1: This— Radio show has a segment called LOL Lakers every week <laughs> where we make fun of and laugh at the Lakers uh, horrificness over oh, the last gosh. 18 months or so. So, I mean, I, I'm in your ballpark, man. You're yeah. uh, speaking to the choir. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, no, for basketball purposes, I don't like it, but for yeah. you know my own personal uh, enjoyment.
1: Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, longest homestand of the of the season is six games from January 25th to February 5th. Longest road trip is five games, from March 19th through the 26th. Uh, the Jazz have five Thursday home games this season, which is kind of unusual. They've you know had a few fewer of those in the past, so that um means that we'll have to move around this show's schedule a little bit during the season, but that's okay. We're we're flexible. Uh, let's see individual games that we're looking forward to. I, I think there are some. I I always look at. When LeBron James is coming to Energy Solutions. Doesn't it seem
2: yeah. like every time he's in town, no matter what team he's playing for, it's unbelievable. It's unforgettable. We had the the Sundiata-Gaines game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could rattle off every time LeBron uh, has come through town.
1: Gordon Hayward's game winner last year. Yeah. Devin Harris hit a game winner two seasons ago. Darren Williams, remember that shot of him kind of high-fiving the crowd going around in a circle? <laughs> that was when they were playing the Cavs when, when LeBron was on it. Uh, you know, this isn't in energy solutions arena, but the miracle in Miami, like these these Jazz Lebron games, for some reason, are just always incredible games, like season defining games. That was when um, Paul Millsap went
2: crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. The,
1: the exactly when he made threes when you know we had no idea that that right. was like a possibility. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean that was that was an incredible game. So that that game, by the way, is March Fourteenth Pi Day for those of you who are mathematically <laughs> and or baking. Uh, inclined, right? Uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to that date. Of course, the home opener is always a a um, something to look to. So that's November fourth versus Portland. Excited to see. A team led by Damian Lillard, you know, obviously he might if, be
2: the only one. They might just put him on the floor and then no one else.
1: I'm kind of excited. Like maybe he goes kind of Russ Westbrook on us and, mm. and starts shooting everything, right? Wow. Like I, I think it's within the what realm of an interesting possibility.
2: season. Yeah, for Portland, it's going to be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, uh, November 23rd is the return of Venice Cantor and mm. the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, you know that we sh- that game last season was had so much emotion behind it. You could see from all the players. I mean, I really think that Ennis Cantor's comments maybe cost the Thunder a win there in in Utah last season. And ultimately that was that one game that cost them the playoffs. Wow. I, I, I
2: no, it was real. I mean, the jazz, that team is kind of a poker face team. You got a lot of guys like Gordon Hayward, who they're not trying to show a lot of outward emotion, but they were really upset. Um, And you're right. That one game made the difference between Oklahoma City being in or out at the end of the at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that was incredible. Uh, March 8th, the Atlanta Hawks come to town for the only time this season. Millsap, Paul Millsap and Kyle Korver come to Utah Uh, again. That's always a good time. Um, Jazz East. Jazz East uh and then the the other Jazz East or maybe we'll call it Utah East November 18th home versus the Raptors the former Jazz man Demario Carroll comes to town as, along with uh former Utah Ute, DeLon Wright uh you know not exactly clear how big of a position he'll be playing you know he probably is the third or second string point guard on that roster but he he impressed during summer league
2: how great to see Demario Carroll get a chance get paid get a chance right. that's a guy you know it's fun to see guys come through and get a chance And to see him turning into, you know, kind of a mark, I don't know if you call him a marquee guy, but somebody who was big for that Hawks team, got noticed, got paid, and Good for him.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. Like, you know, some people are like, ah, oh, it's too much money, and are kind of sports upset about it. But you know, whatever. Sports it's... upset. <laughs> it's the difference I mean, between
2: that's... being actually upset. You know, right? That's no good. one's. I don't know. <laughs> I like that distinction.
1: But it, it's sports upset. Sports radio upset. Uh, and I, I think, but you know, is a good guy. I, I I don't know if he sports deserve the money, but <laughs> he uh, he got it anyway, and, and you know, more power to him. Yeah. Uh, Any other thoughts on the schedule before I move to Team USA stuff? Well,
2: I made the joke on Twitter that everybody's going to play 82, and I get a little bit bemused about everybody getting into all the little details. Like we just did. Right, but just I'm a guy that likes to be surprised every game. Like, I'm the guy who used to show up to the arena to cover the team, and the doors would be locked, and I'd (laughs) think, wait, what's going on? And then I'd realize, oh, it's an ESPN game. It's at 830. They're not even going to (laughs) open this place. So those are just the pleasant surprises that... There's Getting a serendipity, out is a pleasant right. surprise to, by, to... by not doing your homework. There's a certain serendipity that okay. happens when you have no idea what's going to happen that night. Oh, it's at eight thirty. That's interesting. I'm, I'm I had sorry, no idea. I, like, ruined the surprise for you then. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you just opened all the presents on yeah. Christmas morning.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, Team USA stuff. So, like we said, there's the Team USA practices mini camp, as they call it this week. Uh, two practices on. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they're doing this kind of scrimmage exhibition thing uh tonight, eight thirty ESPN. Gordon Hayward was invited to be part of the American the thirty four Americans who were invited, Derek Favors was not and was, was not happy about it. And Trey
2: um, Burke also they had leaked his name as a possibility and people had said he was gonna be on the team. He wasn't when the roster was announced. But, I mean, less of a snub than, than Derek yeah.
1: Favors. Yeah, uh, you know, Mark Stein reported that he was going to be getting an invitation. According to Trey Burke's camp, he never actually received that invitation, and instead USA Basketball decided to go with Michael Carter-Williams, who who probably better at Trey Burke, than Trey Burke at this point, though, you know, quite frankly, he's not the best player in the world either. Uh, but regardless, I think Derek Favors is the snub here. In fact, I would argue that he was the number one snub amongst all the players that you could say should have made this roster but didn't.
2: Mason Plumley instead you know the right. i don't know what the plumley brothers have they have
1: there. that they went to duke and coach oh, k is the head coach there we go that's really what's going on there here go. is coach k is rewarding his guys i see um which is which is a shame i think you know if if you're trying to represent team usa in the best way you i, I think Derek favors you know should be on your roster yeah. if, if you if you're bringing 34 players
2: terrence jones
1: terrence jones again and okay he doesn't have the duke tie does he i i also have no idea uh, um yeah he could, he could have played at like
2: Bishop Gorman in Vegas and then gone straight to the pros, and I would have no idea.
1: <laughs> University of Kentucky, so not, Mar- yeah. not the Duke guy. But regardless, Dirk Favors should have been there. And we asked him about it on Monday uh, when he was doing his, his back-to-school scholarship thing, which I always kind of feel bad about, by the way, like asking guys. We're
2: off-topic when they're doing a charity event.
1: Right, but regardless— I did <laughs> because I'm a jerk that way. Um, he said, I was frustrated for a while, but overall, I got over it. They got the guys they wanted to get. All I can do is continue to work hard, continue to work on my game, and make my point next season.
2: it be great to see some statement games from an angry Derek Favors. You yeah, know, going against out,
1: Mason Plumly. Yeah, <laughs> you on. know,
2: do do like when Carl Malone, you know, got snubbed for the All Star game for, as a starter and went out and dropped 63 on Milwaukee, or was it 68? 63.
1: Uh, 63, I believe. Yeah.
2: Same thing. That's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Derek Favors. As soon as these guys come through town, let's see it.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um Gordon Hayward, by the way, is not on the roster for the scrimmage tonight. It's unclear if that's because of his heel surgery that he had earlier this summer. Kind of they're still a little bit hesitant about it. Or quite frankly, if he's just kind of maybe too good to be playing in it, in that the, the rosters don't include, for example, LeBron James. Uh you know, they're kind of putting the the fringier players of those thirty four best USA basketball mm-hmm. players on there. Uh, and you know maybe Gordon Hayward's better than that at this point, which yeah. would be a good sign. But what a
2: great experience for him to get to go to all these camps. He's been yeah. in the in the Team USA system, even you know before he was on the the men's team. You know the under nineteen, the under mm-hmm. twenty three team. He's had a lot of experience. He's been able to be in that system and learn. And and I. I don't think you can underestimate how much it's helped his game and his confidence.
1: He's talked so much about how the different coaches that he's had at the USA basketball level have helped him with different aspects of his game. You know, hearing from, say, Doc Rivers about something has given him kind of the perspective he needed when, you know, you're only hearing from one coach for so long or one system of coaches. It was good to hear from kind of the, the elite coaches that are part of USA basketball. So. Yeah, and how
2: cool to be around these other players in not an all-star type thing. When you're at all-star, you know, there's a certain sense of I'm relaxing, we're going to have a good time, we're going to, you know, put on a show for the fans. But in this kind of an environment, all the guys are trying to impress each other and they have a common goal, they have a common opponent, they can go out and, and play hard. So it's a great opportunity to kind of see how you stack up against some of the great other stars in the league. Um yeah, a great, yeah. great opportunity for Derek, or those, for Gordon.
1: Those, and not for Derek, unfortunately, right. but those those dream team stories we hear of, you know, Michael Jordan and, and whoever else getting in these battles at, at the 88 or 92 dream teams, you know, that's the kind of thing that he's being uh, exposed, exposed to. to. 92 and 96, I should say, not 88 and 92, by the way. Well,
2: you know, in 88, Jordan was on that team, so. Was he? Or right. 84, excuse me. 80, you, that's right, okay. He's on the 84 team.
1: Anyway. Let's move on. Uh, actually, let's go ahead and take a break. We're at uh, Yeah, we're at that time. Uh, next segment, we've got Aaron Falk, beat writer of the Salt Lake Tribune, joining us. He's been in Vegas. We'll talk to him about Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, and, and Dante Exum's injury. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700.
0: Analytics and opinions on the jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: Welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN Seven Hundred. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor, of Salt City Hoops. Here with Spencer Hall, founder, of Salt City Hoops. We're going to have Aaron Falk join us in just a second. I'm not sure, John. Do we have Aaron Falk on the line? We'll find out. Uh, for so right the now, anticipation if you'd like, is killing I know me. It is. For right now, if you'd uh, like to text in, you can at Andy B. Larson. Sorry, or tweet in, I mm. should say, at Andy B. Larson or at Spencer Hall. Ask us any questions you, you'd like. You can text it, too. You can give you, out your you number can. over the <laughs> my cell phone number. <laughs> call or, Andy at home. Um, feel free to call me whenever you'd like. I've got a car for sale if you're so oh, so nice. inclined. I'm um, at
2: Salt City Hoops or at Spencer Hall. You're Andy B. Larson.
1: Yeah. Or you can actually call in with our, not my cell phone number, but our studio <laughs> number, 877 877- 3530700. Uh let's see. John, do we have, do we have Aaron on the line? Okay, sorry. We're we're still trying to get Aaron on the line here. He's uh, a tough get.
2: I mean, <laughs> this is this is tough. No,
1: it is tough. Let's I want I want to also read Gordon Hayward's blog post from today cuz he had actually some interesting things to say, I should say from yesterday. He had some interesting things to say about uh his the, preparation his, for camp. Exactly. So and, of course, <clears throat> I'm trying to find out on my computer here, blah, blah, blah.
2: Well, you know, that. speaking of his blog, how amazing is it that he... I mean, I, I don't know if he has other people helping him or if he's writing it all himself or how much of that is going on. But whatever the case, he's treating his blog like it's 2007 and it's the most relevant spot. But he does a, a great job at blogging. Like it, it seems really insightful. It seems really personal. It's an inside look. It's very Players' Tribune. Um, but I have to give him credit for having a, a great blog and it's very, uh, it, it's, it's very much his voice. He talked a lot about after, you know, his wife had their, had their baby. He's, he's been very personal and, and let fans into it. I think it's a great move by him. I think it's been very uh, personalizing. And I remember when he was just first into the league, I said something to him one time asked him about kind of how he was going to be increasing his profile and he said, well, as soon as he got his second contract, he was going to do things differently and be more open. Mm-hmm. And, and now he's there. And it's cool to see him kind of growing into this community leader, thought leader, blogger, all the great titles that the great ones have all aspired to.
1: Yeah, we had someone from Athlete Interactive, his, who's his PR firm, join us uh, about a year ago. And remember that kind of video game? I could beat LeBron James right, at right, League right. of Legends or whatever. Uh, and we had them join us. And I guess he it's, it sounded like to me that he... Talks to them on the phone, and then they transcribe his voice Mm. into these these Uh, blog articles, which is why it does sound so much like him. Uh, It looks like we do have Aaron Falk on the line joining us now, though. Uh, Aaron, are you there?
3: I I am. I'm not a thought leader or a blogger. No.
2: (laughs) No, but you can aspire to that, Aaron.
1: I can't, and that's where we're, we're all aiming. <laughs> One day we'll just be as good of writers as Gordon Hayward is at talking. That's kind of <laughs> what we're going. Absolutely,
2: <laughs> Aaron. How much would you pay to have all your articles written by someone else if you just talked to them over the phone and then they would write your story for you? Would you pay oh, top dollar for that or all the I, dollars?
3: I, mean, I, I, would, <laughs> I would, I would, I would pay all of my meager dollars. But then, like, I mean, but I, I would know that I'm setting up for like a drone revolution where my job is yeah. like lost in in six months time anyway so
2: yeah there well you know that that's already happening those articles you know get produced by what is it that interactive what's the eight the company the ap bot
1: yeah that that actually has the computer robot write all the college games or whatever
3: absolutely and that's why some guys in philadelphia took care of travel bot to send a message
2: yeah i know
1: (laughs) well listen my joke
2: about that is we treated that bot just like we do, all hitchhikers, we treated it no differently than we do a regular hitchhiker making its way across the country.
3: Uh,
1: don't I know it? Don't I
3: know
1: it? <laughs> all right. Well, Aaron, you were in Las Vegas this week um, with the with the USA basketball team, asking Gordon Hayward and the rest of the the team there some questions. What what did you get out of that experience? What did you hear from from Gordon uh, about his team? Uh, sorry, about his time with with Team USA.
3: You know, I mean, I I think Gordon is pretty realistic about um, what USA Basketball is for him right now, and and he knows he's kind of a guy on on the fringe, you know, maybe at best. I mean, you look at trying to pick a 12 man roster for, for Rio, and where does Gordon Hayward figure in into those 12 players? And and I think he knows that, and and but at the same time, he he knows that by going through all this you know one he's going to get better he's going to raise his profile and and two eventually you know he's got a chance that that this opportunity will open up I mean I I think you'd have a hard time saying you know let's let 12 the 12 best players in the NBA right now or the 12 best you know players in the U.S. right now and putting Gordon in there but eventually you know through circumstance or whatever he's got a chance to maybe play for an Olympic team
1: we also talked to Derek Favors at his his charity event with the Boys and Girls Club on Monday, and he he did seem legitimately disappointed or frustrated to, that he was not selected to the team. Uh, is it just that you know he wants kind of the developmental experiences that that Derek Favors had, or sorry, that Gordon Hayward has, or is it is it a prestige thing? I mean, what what's going on? Kind of, do you think in Derek's mind?
3: I I mean, I would guess it's it's part prestige. I mean, here's a guy who was invited to those camps at one point in his career. And then, and then, you know, all of a sudden that, that dried up as it does for, for other players. But, you know, he's, he's certainly, his game has grown in a way that maybe some of those other guys who have been disinvited uh, haven't. And you look at, um, you know, Kenneth Farid and, and Plumlee guys who are there. And I think there's a pretty good case to be made that Derek Favors belongs there. Now, now, when you when it comes time again to pick a roster for for a team, whether it's the Olympics or or World Cup, you know or whatever, um, it's, it's a double edged sword. Like right, like like we just said, Gordon might sneak in because he's a good fit because Shostovsky likes him because you know whatever. Maybe he's not one of the twelve best, and that's why Plumley and and Freed maybe beat out Derek Favors. But in a camp in a mini camp situation, when you know Jerry Colangelo and these guys are trying to keep the the um lines of communication open keep people excited um keep players in a larger player pool i mean you know usa basketball i, I think they could have afforded you know a couple more buffet vouchers to bring in derek Favors, and <laughs> a couple a couple of these other guys to a camp of uh, 34 players already
2: Aaron do you, what do you think uh the injury to to dante exum does for the trend of of letting players play in these international tournaments you know, we've had Mark Cuban say he 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 would like to have guys play, but he needs some assurances that it's not going to hurt his team or his bottom line. What kind of what what direction do you see the league going as far as allowing guys to play in these international tournaments?
3: I mean, right right now, I I don't see it you know moving the needle as much as maybe you know people here would want after something you know so so unfortunate happens. I mean, you look at right now what's going on and and you know obviously what happened to paul george a year ago right. well, paul george what was was back in the fold i mean he was he at least made a a token appearance there to say hey i'm interested in being part of this pool uh um, lebron james is there kevin durant is there and you know it's it's the the kind of honor and and maybe the 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 burden you know the the that some of these guys feel to, to represent their country when they are you know elite players and and you know, you can't say that Dante Exum. You know that Australia is turning out um, NBA athletes, or or that Dante wouldn't be a, a very key part of that team going forward. I think it's hard to say, hey, don't go play for your country. You know, think about us, think about this. And and for me, it's not. You know, uh, everyone always makes the, the joke about you can't wrap them in in bubble wrap, and and I think probably we the can bigger try. Thing, you can try, but I think the <laughs> bigger thing, and and probably the like, if you really want to make a difference. You know, let let's let's cut the number of games the guys play over the course of a year in general. Right. Uh, but that but that's not going to happen because it's not profitable. You know, it's not as, as profitable to do that.
2: Yeah, and the guys are going to play in things like the Drew League, and and they're going to play. You know, at the at the church in their home city. Sure. they're going to play. Right. I think the league just needs to figure out ways to. Uh, you know, be covered. I think from insurance standpoints and things like that. But you're absolutely right The the season itself. I mean, you don't even have to play in the games, Aaron. But you you have to travel like they do. You're not on the you're not on the first class plane. But <laughs> but you you've seen firsthand what that travel does to you. And I mean, just even as somebody who only covers the games from home, I don't travel on the road. I'm exhausted. I can only oh, imagine okay. what it's like. You get a little bit of a firsthand sense of yeah. what it's like. So what what would you say? That's the number one thing. Then is changing the travel.
3: I, I mean, I, I would I would think you know cutting back on on the the number of of total games. Um, yeah, the, the travel is. And now I'm I'm a a terrible example of you know uh, the average human body. Um, <laughs> I, <you> know, I,
2: <laughs> I think you're perfectly think, average, Aaron.
3: <laughs> well, maybe maybe that's the truly sad part about it. Um, but yeah, it's you know it's it's exhausting. It's exhausting to 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 change time zones to wake up you know and 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 you think of you know you get in right after a game these guys are going to bed you know they're probably not just crashing out as soon as they you know fly from one city to another you're up you just played a game or whatever and, and it's a very funky schedule it's not like anything you know most people have to deal with um it's it's tough you know so i you know i don't think that we'll see obviously they they're not going to cut from 82 to 62 games anytime soon um, when, when the money is the way it is. And in the meantime, that's why you hear, you know, Gordon talk about how beneficial it was to bring in um, like Rodney Hood and Jack Cooley and different guys to Indianapolis guys that know that their, that their livelihood is on the line and they're not out there trying to prove something against an NBA player when when they are doing these sort of off-season things.
2: Yeah. I've always thought that that you could still play 82 games, but I would love to see kind of almost like JV night, where instead of playing your top eight, you have nights where it's required to play your bottom eight. You know, and you can't play, (laughs) if you've played top eight minutes, you are not eligible to play in the bottom eight game. And then theme night,
1: I like it. It's called the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah.
2: No, but I think people would watch that. I mean, there's some guys on the end of the bench. It's always the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town. But I think you could have, you know, a Monday night game, a Tuesday night game, some of these kinds of nights where you get to, you get a chance to see some of the up and comers or now with the D league affiliation, maybe you have, you know, rising star night. You can only, you know, if you you can only have played in less than two years (laughs) of the NBA, I don't know, something like that.
3: But then you, then you go to buy those tickets on StubHub, and it's like, what, they're giving me $3 to come to this? <laughs> right.
2: Well, then you do, you do kind of a lottery where one person is going to get, you know, $3,000 or something. I don't know. <laughs> so you put it all in a pot, and then one person can win. You add a gambling element. It's done wonders for the NFL, and see what that does.
3: I, and and no fair no fair catches on punts and a camera that's always overhead.
1: It, it, let's bring it back the XFL.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're we're on the right track.
1: I think it's a return <laughs> to to the ABA. Right? You like you just yeah. have someone out there for a half court shot that could bankrupt the franchise. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Isn't that, that <laughs> Will Ferrell movie. That's
2: true. If he hits this shot from half court, we cannot pay anyone who works for the team. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, I can't believe we don't have a franchise. I know. We cannot believe it. I don't know why they're not asking.
2: <laughs> us for ideas we're full of ideas
1: <laughs> all right well Aaron we got to go ahead and take a break but thanks so much for joining you uh joining us sorry and and sharing your expertise uh from your from your trip from to Vegas this week with the USA basketball team really appreciate it uh we'll follow everyone just follow Aaron if you're not already at trip jazz it's easy
3: awesome thanks guys have a good night thanks
1: All right, like I said, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking about the Jazz's playoff chances next year in the 2015-16 season. That's next on the Salt City Hoops Show. You're listening to ESPN 700.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, us at the Salt City Hoops studios are having a uh, debate on whether or not Nick Young is an affront to basketball.
2: (laughs) Oh, he absolutely is. I think for a storied franchise like the L.A. Lakers to bring on a clown and, you
1: know, he's, he has a good time, and
2: I think he's, he's interesting like that, and I always like players to have a little personality. But when they were clowning, when they were so bad, I was right there with Kobe sending those little death stares, you know, saying, <laughs> you know, come on, when you're losing that badly to still be clowning. But
1: they won that game.
2: I know, but this is also the same guy who has one of the greatest gifts in history on that one where he— Shoots the three, starts celebrating, coming down, but then the shot misses. Yeah, he's already celebrated three steps. I don't know. I I just I like a guy who can have a good time. I liked Gilbert Arenas, these kinds of guys, which is incredibly that. that I was going to
1: say, but Gilbert and Nick are out of the. In fact, they're you know they're wizards, right? they yeah. They're from that same. Yeah, that same cloth, horrible. If you
2: will. Yeah, no, they're all they're they're cut from the same group. But I just think, you know, if the Lakers are trying to get through, I think you. I don't know that you bring a guy in like him. But, you know, it seems to be working for him. People think, Laker fans seem to think he's the next, you know, Jerry West. I don't know.
1: (laughs) We, We were talking about the Lakers because we were talking about the Jazz's chances of making the playoffs next season. And you look at uh, the kind of the, the state of the Western Conference, and I think it's gotten a little bit easier than it was last season with with the fall of the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, uh, you know, the the main players that are still within the conference. So, you know, Tyson Chandler, for example, went from Dallas to Phoenix. Uh, Lamarck Saldridge went from Portland to San Antonio, but you've kind of condensed the talent into fewer teams. So that maybe the Jazz have a chance to get to that seventh or eighth seed.
2: Yeah, I don't think uh, Portland. I, I mean, completely, they're they, they're they're off, they're off that top eight ledger. They're, I think they're so. off. And then I I was the last time I was on the show was when we were watching in real time the Dallas Mavericks go from a contender to completely out of the running. I mean, they they are actually putting together some interesting pieces, and they could be sneaky. They've got to fail McGee signed yeah, today. For yeah, example. yeah. I mean that. That put them over the edge. So they, <laughs> they aren't completely um ruined. You know, it's not a wasted season necessarily. They could be sneaky depending on how the pieces come together. But I don't I don't think that they're anything to, to be worried about. And I do. I think the Jazz sneak in. I think they get the eighth spot. And uh maybe probably even the seventh. I think Phoenix is gonna be right there, probably in that eighth spot. I think the Jazz probably take that seventh spot. And uh I, I don't think it's going to be that much of a stretch to make. I don't think anybody making that prediction is is you know going to be going too far out on a limb.
1: No, I don't think so. You know, Zach Lowe said in his podcast that he had been hearing from you know NBA execs and and front office people, coaches, et cetera, that the Jazz were people's sleeper team to get into the West. So to the point where you know he was like he he made the point. They're not a sleeper team anymore. You know, if if they were, that's a solid seven pick, right? If they were on a fifty-four win pace for the for the end of the season, as as they were last year after the All Star break, and you look at the state of the Western Conference, it's not at all crazy to say that they can make the playoffs next year. I do think people are sleeping on Phoenix a little bit. Uh, I think Tyson Chandler helps them out a lot. You know, uh, supposing that he stays at kind of the level he has been for the last two seasons, but having kind of that interior rim protector really helps them out, and and. Especially if they can get the locker room issues figured out now that the Morris is, the more I have split up, the Morris twins, and, and Markeith is upset that Marcus has been traded because somehow they thought they would play their entire They thought they were a package deal. Right. But, you know, regardless, they, they still have some problems, but I think they're a good roster on paper. Uh, Sacramento and, and Lakers fans, for some reason, think that they can compete. Who, who and is more cannot.
2: likely between the Lakers and Sacramento? Who is more likely to make the playoffs?
1: I would say Sacramento.
2: I don't know. There's just By something about Sacramento that makes me think they should always just automatically be at the bottom of the standings.
1: <laughs> no, I, I think that's fair. But I, I think you look at th- the Kings have at that's least a very two... data-driven opinion that yeah. I just shared. <laughs> I, I think you can look at the Kings and say that they have at least two proven good NBA players. And I would say that maybe the Lakers have none, depending on how you feel about Kobe Bryant at this stage of his career. Yeah, and uh, how do you feel about him? And I feel that he is maybe not a proven good NBA player. If you wow. look at what percentage he shot on his shot, I mean, he was he was like the uber Trey Burke last season, if you will, and just taking so many shots and, and just missing so many. You know, he didn't have the lift that he had. He, he couldn't get to the rim as much. Uh, was- well, and
2: he was also, I think, psychologically, being Kobe, Trying to come back from injury and being surrounded by terrible players. Right. It was a perfect storm of of, of peak or not peak, whatever the opposite is. Nader Kobe. <laughs> yeah. Or something. I think that was all the pieces put in place to have him Chucker Kobe all is when he's at his worst. But I just don't buy anything coming out of Sacramento. I just don't think they And, and that's be- fine.
1: I, I, I agree. I don't think that they'll be good either. I'm I'm kinda a I- their fans think they can make the playoffs, and I don't see it because they don't have anything beyond those two players that are that's capable. But and at, this, at least they a team exist. that
2: I don't think is going to make any noise, but has a player I really like is Minnesota. Yeah, I love watching Zach Levine. Ben and I were he's talking turned about- into one of my favorite players in the league. Such an interesting guy. Came I? I didn't really. I, I feel like he kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I yeah, yeah. People, i mean he
1: didn't have a starring role at ucla uh but has yeah you know minnesota gave him major minutes and he i wouldn't say he responded i i would say he played pretty poorly in the end last year but just he showed flashes of things that i i don't think you're getting from most point guards
2: and he's been that guy too who when he plays against the jazz just seems on another level yeah you know his games there's a long pantheon of players who have had incredible games against the jazz and i feel like he's he's done that, and I think he, there's still one or two more of those left in him. We haven't seen the last of villain Zach Levine versus the Jazz.
1: I was talking to Ben Dowsett earlier today about that. He has an article coming up for Basketball Insiders about the three, most, the three sleeper teams in the Western Conference. Mm. Minnesota was one of them because he, he feels, you know, you look at how with Ricky Rubio coming back and an improved Andrew Wiggins and improved Zach Levine, Gorgie Jang there, and of course Carl Anthony Towns now in the mix. That's a sneaky, that's sneaky lineup. That's actually a pretty, if like some pieces come together, that's, that's a pretty good lineup I, I like that better than the Lakers next year, and I like it better than Sacramento, I think.
2: Absolutely. No, that's a really fun—they've got some pieces that should make you really fun to watch.
1: I, I completely agree. All right. Well, next hour, we've got a cool lineup uh, joining us. Jody the beat writer for the Jazz for the Deseret News, joins us at the 8 o'clock segment after this break, uh, talking about what the Jazz are looking at, point guard to replace Dante Exum, and furthermore, uh, other topics as well. Michael Lohman from SLC Dunk joining us at 8.30 as well. Uh, so that'll be a good debate. And yeah, thanks, Spencer, by the way, for joining no, us. No, thanks for letting me jump on. Of course. Uh, that's... Coming up all next segment, you're listening to the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700, your home for Utah's number one sports talk.
0: Talking hoops and the association, this is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. Spencer Hall just left me, so I'm on my own. Andy Larson, I'm the managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz uh so by the way since i'm alone i'm i welcome your tweets and calls i mean I, I do anyway but regardless uh you can always tweet me at andy b larson you can always call in to our number 877 if you have an opinion that you really want to share vocally to the world or if not you know i'll read your tweet too i can also read my cell phone on the air as, as spencer told me last segment but i probably probably shouldn't do that we'll see uh <laughs> anyway this segment we've got jody guennessy on the line jody is the deseret news beat writer for the utah jazz uh jody are you there
4: i am here yes thank you
1: good well thanks for thanks for joining me i i appreciate it um you thought had- we we're going to kind of have the uh,
4: dueling banjos of the the dueling beat writers
1: pretty near 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 and then aaron <laughs> would
4: just go after me and we just go back and forth but apparently he's already been on
1: I mean, we we can call him up real quick. <laughs> <laughs>
5: that's okay.
4: Next just,
1: time, uh, just have you talk over each other. No, I, I do want to see that at some point. Just like you know, kind of the the melding of the minds, if you will, and have I don't know I I don't know if you guys are capable of a of a shouting match, a, a political style debate, but I I would love to see it on this show.
4: <laughs> we're when we're traveling on the road, we're kind of like the True Detectives season one. That's that's the pairing we are.
6: <laughs> anyway,
4: I don't know what that means, but I don't know what that means. That. I
1: haven't seen. Have you seen it? Is it a good show? I hear season two is bad.
4: Season two was horrible. Uh, I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. Uh, season one was pretty intriguing, and okay. yeah, it just kind of kept you guessing the whole time. And and I thought it was uh, really uh, high drama and pretty uh, captivating. But the second season just didn't didn't do it for me.
1: I, I'm a slow TV watcher, so I'm still on Mad Men, but I, I think I'll add True, uh, True Detective to my list next.
4: There you go. There, there are other shows. I like, like, you know, Better Call Saul. I would put way ahead of it. There, you know, there's Vikings. I would put I, there. I have one month left before the season. You know, a month and a half or whatever it is. So I have some TV viewing ahead of me. Do you have I, TV I have show goals? A, some TV show goals? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I I haven't watched Fargo. I need to watch Fargo. I need to get caught up on Vikings. Um, Gosh, there are a couple other series that I'm sure that are awesome that I need to watch as well.
1: I, I, sorry, I I wasn't planning on asking you that, but, uh, you know, that's where the conversation turned and we have, we have 20 minutes, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I want to ask you, though, turning to the Jazz for a second, um, I want to ask you about the the Garrett Temple report from last week. So, uh, you know, as as we talked about earlier in the show, Dante Axum had a torn ACL in his game with the Australian national basketball team last week. uh, And the Jazz have kind of three point guards left standing, Trey Burke, Bryce Cotton and Raul Neto. Uh, you reported that the Jazz may be interested in Garrett Temple as a possible replacement for for Dante Exum, or maybe kind of bolstering that three-man lineup. Are you still hearing kind of the same sort of things, that the Jazz are still interested in him?
4: I haven't heard anything fresh uh, since uh, that initial report. And, um, I do know that uh, Quinn Snyder really is high on Garrett Temple. Got to know him with the San Antonio organization back in, I believe, it was the 2009-10 season. When he was with the Austin Toros, and Garrett Temple came through the Spurs organization for the first time, been there twice, and he had a short stint with Austin, so they they got to know each other well. Uh, Dennis Lindsay was there at the time as well, and Garrett is just considered a, a really cerebral, like good locker room guy, uh, pleasant. I had another beat writer after I um, wrote the article about uh, Garrett, the possibility of the Jazz pursuing him another beat writer, uh, really spoke highly of Garrett as, as far as being great with the media and good in the locker room and just a, a good all-around person. You know, and, you know, that's not the most important part, obviously. He has some aspects of his game that I think really could benefit the Jazz right now. The thing that Dante Exum gave Utah last year was, as you know, is he's six foot six and he could clog those uh, passing lanes and and was a better than expected defender and that's what Garrett Temple does he's not going to be he's not a good shooter which is kind of par for the course for jazz uh point guards at this point unfortunately but um he is a good defender and he's experienced he's been around the league for a while bounced around he's uh the Washington Wizards like him and he got some starts with them last year behind Bradley Beal so he's a guy that can play both positions, the one and the two. But, uh, but well, I'm just rambling now, Andy. No, I no, I, I don't have an, The latest update that I've heard was uh, from a Washington reporter that said today that the Wizards haven't heard from the Jazz yet. And actually, that doesn't surprise me because I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jazz, assuming, and I do assume that they're still interested in him, We'll wait until after things the the dust kind of settles with Dante Exum. They get the surgery done and kind of get past that point. So I, I think that's when they would start pursuing the, the additional uh, point guard to help if that's the route they choose to go.
1: And, and there's still so much time left before media day and training camp opens at the end of September, beginning of October. Uh, you You know, they've got probably four to six weeks there at least. That, you know, there's still time to acquire that point guard and have him, you know, fully ready and and joining the team for training camp.
4: Right. I mean there's no rush. It's not like anybody else out there is uh in a hurry to sign or to trade for Garrett Temple. Right. So they're they're in a good spot. They don't need to hurry. Um if they're interested, which I I know they are at some level, uh it, you know and change, plans change sometimes as well too, but uh, I would assume that it would happen here in the next few weeks. So no no hurry to happen right now. Let me I, ask, think if, go ahead. Actually, I think if it came out that they were contacting Washington right now, I think the Jazz would be really fearful that it would come across as being insensitive to Dante Exum. I know that Dennis Lindsay is really uh, super sensitive and uh, aware of that fact.
1: Let me ask, do you, do you think the Jazz, I, I don't know how much you, you know this from the front office, but do you think that they feel that they need a replacement, that you know, going forward – these three point guards they have on the roster are not good enough?
4: Uh, I wouldn't say they don't think they're good enough. I know that, you know, they're confident in Trey and, and think that he'll have a better shooting year. Obviously, the, he struggled last year. But he he runs the offense. You know, he can run the offense. And, I mean, really, the Jazz, the second half of the season last year, they played really well with without great point guard play. And, you know, they're – so I think that they're still positive that they can have a nice season this year, even without Dante Exum. I think the 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 big concern is not necessarily with Trey at the at the one to start. It's more with the uh, Bryce Cotton and Ralonetto as as the main backups. I, I think they like both of those guys. They're quick. They can. Uh, they're good playmakers. Uh, again, they struggle with their shot, but they uh, they're capable. I think they they see them both right now as number three back three hmm. point guards, if that makes sense. So um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's the jazz always speaks so highly of their players um, off and on the record. So <laughs>
6: it's yeah.
4: hard to really, for me right now to get a, a clear viewpoint of, of where they are. Cause I know they were willing to gamble this whole season and just let Trey and Dante try to uh, learn on the go and, and see if they couldn't develop and and play even better than than they did last year, um, and then make a bigger decision at next year in the off season. Uh, you know, if if it looked like they weren't going to be able to turn into a, a number one and a number two point guard for the future, then that's when they would address it. But it obviously changes things up with one of those guys out.
1: Was Garrett Temple the only name that you heard in terms of a possible acquisition, either in in free agency or trade market for at, at the point guard spot?
4: Yeah, I mean, if you look at the free agency, boy, there's just really slim pickings. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't see anybody that would come in and be enticing, honestly, as a number two point guard. I uh, said so, no, I had I haven't heard any other names. This was a specific uh, a source that. That said, he knew that uh, Dennis Lindsay was was pushing the Jazz to uh, per- perhaps pursue Garrett Temple. So that's that was the source that gave me that, and it's a reliable source that has uh, proven time and again that he is pretty in tune with what's going on. So, cool. Uh, at some level, there is interest.
1: Yeah, and, 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 I mean, you have a wide network of sources, from sources within the front office to the airport. I mean, it's it's an incredible network of people that you have, Jody.
4: This was not my hashtag airport source. (laughs) That might be my – I have a restaurant source. Uh, He he or she hasn't uh, given me much lately, but –
1: is uh, is it at funny the cheesecake factory is that the restaurant source in question <laughs> no it was is left
6: oh okay no this is,
4: <laughs> it, i i was only i wasn't actually joking i i got a report uh, when alex jensen was being interviewed and, and courted by the jazz and he was uh, up for a job as player development coach 2 years ago that he was at a a team dinner with all the the front office personnel and and some other Members of the jazz organization, and that kind of clued me into the fact that he was about to be hired. So that was a nice little uh, restaurant source.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's it's actually kind of cool how you built those. You know, I don't know like how close to you guys, you and your restaurant source or your airport source before, but I mean, for me personally my development of sources has been really from those sources rather than from me reaching out to them, you know, if, if that makes sense, you know, it's something like where, where people appreciate the work that you do. And especially you, Jody, who's you know so active on, on social media and, and kind of build a community, if you will, that you have a whole bunch of people kind of rooting for you to have the best information for you to have uh, the stories that are breaking. It, it's actually kind of cool.
4: Yeah, it, it is. And it's, it always makes you feel good because honestly, that's not my forte. I, I don't, feel strong about, uh, you know, calling people up and and looking under every stone. That's I'm, I am i have always felt like I'm a better writer than a reporter. If that makes sense, there are some guys who are just bulldogs and they're gonna knock down every door and just just they're gonna get relentless and they're gonna get the news one way or another. That's not really my personality. I have to be that way sometimes to to do my job. But it's always <laughs> such a a. Uh, a luxury and a pleasure when somebody calls you up or you know, lets you know that hey, this is happening or that's happening. Like like you got the nice scoop about the uh the jazz logo. That that was really I you're
1: important. are you saying I wasn't knocking down doors for that? No, I don't know how you got
4: that. <laughs> I, you have you, you have logo sources that I don't, so kudos to you.
1: Uh, that's yeah. That's that's really what it is. Is is a logo source somewhere at the I don't know the the Jazz's logo factory. That's I'm pretending yeah. that that exists.
4: You're to be commended, Andy, because you are a hard worker. So I think that you'll continue as as you're in this uh, this business. And now that you're doing this stuff with KSL, you're gonna get more and more scoops. And I'm gonna have to keep on scratching my head, wondering what in the heck who who <laughs> in the heck is feeding Andy information that's not feeding me information. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we will have, have to have, like, an arms race, right? Like, that's, that's the next logical conclusion is to, to really compete for who's, who's breaking these stories.
5: I, I will
4: uh, opt for the leg wrestling if we could do that. <laughs> and I'm an I, undefeated champion of leg wrestling at the Deseret right News.
1: I, I'm opting out. But if, you know, if, if the logo thing was a feather in my cap, then you have a veritable, you know, Indian headdress of feathers in your cap, if, if that makes sense.
4: Uh, well, I appreciate that.
1: I, I want to ask you, kind of, with with regards to this Dante Exum news, and and you kind of referenced it before that the Jazz were, you know, pretty comfortable with Dante Exum and, and Trey Burke going into the season as point guards one A and one B. Now that without Dante Exum, um and you know, maybe or maybe not making an acquisition there, do you feel like maybe this playoff push that you know Derek Favors has talked about it as the season's goal next season? Uh, Rudy Gobert it has too. Gordon Hayward has, has as well. Do you think that that playoff push is is more important to the players than it is to the front office?
4: Um. Yeah. I, well, that's a real, that's a good question. Um, I think it's more important to the players because they're the ones out there, and and you know they're the ones the faces of the the franchise, and it's they are very competitive guys, and so is the front office. And the coaching staff, obviously, but these are the guys that are out there doing all the hard work on the court that fans see and cheer or boo, and and their reputation is really on the line every time they get out on the court. So I think they want them more than Jazz, and or more quickly than the Jazz. I know that obviously the Jazz organization wants to win, wants to be in playoffs. You hear them throw around the championship contender uh, phrase often. Uh, and that they don't want to skip steps as well. But what the Jazz did at the end of last year and how well they played, I mean, Dennis Lindsay even admitted that they kind of sped up to the, the rebuilding process. And I think that they almost, for my personal uh, rebuilding uh, outlook, I think they skipped a year. I, I think they're ahead of where I anticipated that they will be. And I honestly, I think, it'll be a a disappointment if they're not in the thick of things and almost if they don't make the playoffs this year, even without Dante Exum, I think they still have enough really solid pieces at almost every position. Point guard is really the shaky area right now. I have a little bit more faith in Trey Burke than others do, um, but they're really going to have to have some things come together there. But as far as shooting guard, I, I love that the combination of Alec Burks and Rodney Hood, I, I obviously really high on Gordon Hayward. I think he's one of the top five small forwards in the game. One of the most well uh, all around, one of the elite all around players in the game as well. Derek favors is a rising point power forward. And then Rudy Gobert, nobody has a center that is is, as athletic and uh, imposing and uh, such a good rim protector as Rudy Gobert. You look at those, Those rim protecting numbers. I mean, what was it? Opponents shot forty percent at the rim against him, and yeah. the closest was I don't know. It was like forty eight percent, forty nine. percent I mean, it was it was ridiculous how good he was around the rim.
1: Yeah, definitely the the league's leader in uh, preventing points in the paint, and both uh, kind of affecting his opponents' shot percentage as well as just how often they shot. The opponents really kind of scared to to put layups on on the glass with Rudy Gobert anywhere nearby.
4: Yeah. And I, I think, so you still have the, the key cornerstones. They were kind of hoping that Dante Exum and Trey Burke would catch up with these other guys and still are, but that they were still winning a lot with mm-hmm. when they weren't playing as well as they'd hoped the point guards would play. So I, I mean, I expect Gordon Hayward to be even better. I expect Alec Burks obviously to come back as as healthy as he's ever been in the NBA. Cause he's had that shoulder problem uh, since college. So I, you know, I like Rodney hood. I, I think that Trey Lyles and uh, Trevor Booker can give some nice minutes off the bench as well. So I think it's really exciting. I'm really curious to see how the season plays out. I'm going to pick the Jazz will finish with the sixth or seventh or eighth seed, somewhere right around there. I haven't done my complete projections, but yeah. I'm really high on them.
1: Dude. Do you have any thoughts on the on the Jazz's schedule coming out yesterday? You know, were you surprised about anything? As, um, obviously, they play 41 home, 41 on the road, like everyone says. But <laughs> there, there are some, you know, tweaks in there that, that maybe changed it a little bit from seasons past.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, the first thing that jumps out is that the beginning of the season, it's really odd that they're starting against an Eastern Conference opponent. I don't remember the last time that happened. Yeah, And on the road for a three-game road trip to begin things off, I— I And then you have 8 of 10 and 10 of 14 on the road. So November, the end of October, November is just a really uh, kind of a brutal schedule for the Jazz. There's some winnable games in there, obviously, but there, it's also a young team going on the road, which is always uh, kind of hit and miss, it seems. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing that jumps out to me. The second thing was the, the no pre-Christmas trip. That, yeah. we're just I mean, that's a one-game trip. There's, they play the Warriors on the 23rd. But, Are you
1: happy about that as a beat writer? By the way, did you, you know, did you dread that pre-Christmas road trip? I did, to be honest with you. I mean,
4: usually they went to cool places, you know, like Miami or Orlando, Atlanta, or you know, some of those uh, southwestern cities. So it was kind of a nice place to be. It's hard to feel sorry for a beat writer when he's in Miami. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, I am a father of four, and you know, it just felt like it was. Thanksgiving, and then I was on a road trip, and then suddenly, thank goodness, Santa Claus and my wife did all the stuff behind the scenes, and all of a sudden, I'm there for Christmas Day. So I didn't really, you know, I just didn't feel like I had much of a Christmas season with my family. So I actually am really thankful that they're uh, changing that schedule up a little bit. But gosh, they've done that pre-Christmas road trip since Frank Layden in the 1980s. So crazy that
1: literally for 30 years now.
4: Yeah, so I'm curious to see what... It's obviously a Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder thing, unless the NBA just told them, hey, look, with the emphasis that they are putting on not having the four games and five nights and trying to limit the back-to-backs, that it just wasn't uh, in the cards for them, but yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Uh, other than that, uh, I, I think it's, you know, they have uh, a couple of long road trips towards the end of the season in March, so that could be a little bit scary, but uh, if they can weather the storm in that first stretch, then I think they'd set themselves up for a nice run.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. I, I think if—and and the schedule, I think, is a lot easier in terms of opponents' face than it was at the beginning of last season when they got on that kind of really poor start to the the, the season before kind of the system came in place and everything else. On the other hand, if if the Jazz come out to a great start next season, uh, get some wins on the board, then I think, you know, kind of the, I don't know if the sky's the limit for this team, but we could see kind of a playoff, a a definite playoff contending team next season.
3: Yeah,
4: and you make a really good point about last year. They were still learning Quinn Snyder's system and, you know, that first month and first couple of months. And so their heads were spinning and they're playing all these really good opponents on the on the court and it's no wonder that they started off as poorly as they, as they played the previous year when it was one of the worst seasons in franchise history. This year, they have the benefit. They've, they've been with Quinn for a year and all these guys are back for the most part together and they have the experience. So they uh, don't have that uh, roadblock ahead of them, so to speak. I I think that will really help them. I mean, they played really well the last two and a half months of the season and I only anticipate that they'll continue at that rate, if not better than they were from last year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, all right, Jody, one last question for you. You're you're known as a man of, of many talents, if you will. You know, you're you're a, obviously a crack <laughs> reporter, uh, but you're also a vine star. You're now the the host of your own YouTube series, Man vs. I don't know noun insert noun here. Uh, whether that be universe or diet or you know whatever it is. Uh you're also obviously a big a big deal on Twitter, you're a Photoshop artist, now featured on CNN. Of these w- <laughs> which is which is your favorite and why? You know, what if if you had to eliminate all of them? I guess I guess we need you as crack reporters still, but uh, you know, what's your what's your favorite dalliance if you will?
4: Oh man, you I people are going to wonder if I how much I paid you for this. And I love it <laughs> and I will pay you. Thank you. Oh, uh, right now, this I know that people probably don't want to hear this, but I, I've written for 21 years. I've been in the Deseret News for 21 years now. And it, I still, I love it. I love my job. I love writing about sports. It, uh, I love, like I did a feature on Jack Cooley this summer. I love that. I love different just profiling players. But right now, the video is just kind of, it's some, I, it started with the Vines. I started doing these silly little vines and jokes and then I did the game recaps, the rapid recaps, I call them. And now I'm doing YouTube and it's just really, it's a new challenge and it's kind of stimulating and, and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm horrible at editing and all that stuff, but it's fun to learn something new. And I I feel uh, blessed that I'm able to kind of have fun with that little hobby while still being able to pay the bills uh, with the writing gig. So but uh, yeah, right now, you know, when you you get something new and it's it new and exciting and and uh, it's shinier, that's kind of where I'm at right now. So <laughs> I guess I I want to be a YouTube star. There you go, Andy. Okay.
1: All right. <laughs> well, I'm still counting down the views until you can get that that first hundred dollars where YouTube will finally pay you for for your contributions to the network.
4: <laughs> I I mean I don't want to brag, but I just I surpassed it.
1: Oh, you so. did. All right. Well, I did, congratulations. Yeah. I I didn't realize that. How long ago was that? Uh, it's been just in the last couple of weeks. Uh, okay. Uh, I have one video.
4: I shaved, and then I I did a video where my family reacted. And I have a two-year-old son, and he just didn't recognize me, and he was scared to death of me, and he just started bawling. And it was uh, we were laughing at his pain and agony. <laughs> and for some reason, that's like taken off. It has almost one hundred fifty thousand views now. Oh. And so that's kind of the horse that's just chugging along right now. So I still haven't seen the check from pay from uh, YouTube. So I guess I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But the numbers are there. The-
6: <laughs>
4: I put in a lot of hours to get the $100 <laughs> that
1: well uh the, <laughs> some of that Google money is coming your way all right, well, thanks, Jody for joining us. Uh, we can follow you at d j jo- d j jazzy jody on twitter um of course, jody Guinnessy's stuff is all online at DeseretNews.com. dot com Thanks again so much for joining us, Jody. hey, thanks a lot, Annie. take care. Alright, that was Jody Genesee. By the way, I, I, I guess I should have told Jody this while we still had him on, on the line, but um, I have a famous YouTube video as well. I actually created an Ultimate Frisbee highlight compilation video um, <laughs> with like 500,000 views on, on YouTube. I did it for a school assembly way back in high school, and you know, it, it, it works. By the way, I love Ultimate Frisbee. Um, <laughs> if, if I didn't fit the nerd stereotype already, I do now we got to take a break. On the other side, we've got Michael Lohman from SLC Dunk joining us. We're going to argue about the Dante Exum uh, injury. Maybe not so much the injury, but whether or not the Jazz need a replacement at the point guard position uh, or if they should just go into the season with Trey Burke, Bryce Cotton, and Raul Neto. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN 700.
0: Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop show. Andy Larson here with you, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com, ESPN True Pavilion for the Utah Jazz. Just want to make a quick correction here. My YouTube video of Ultimate Frisbee Highlights only has 300,000 views, not 500,000. I may have over-bragged, you know, as, as much as it is to, to, to brag about having an Ultimate Frisbee Highlight compilation video um, on YouTube with a lot of views. So maybe I'm saving myself a little bit by having it be less popular. I don't know if that's true. We're trying to get Michael Lohman on the line. Milo is from SLC. Don going to argue the, the Dante Exum uh, replacement thing with me once we get him on, on the air. Uh, try to find him for now. Um, I appreciate the tweet from Jody from our last segment. Had fun chatting with Andy B. Larson on ESPN 700. He's doing a great job covering jazz from multiple angles at KSL, Salt City Hoops, and Radio. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate it. That's a nice thing to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think Jody does Jody does a great job too. I, I I mean, we just have such a good group of of beat writer guys. Are we Are we ready to go? No, we're not. Okay, sorry. Oh, wrong number. That's not good. Let me see. Okay, <laughs> let me see if I can find Michael's number. Yeah, that's That's accurate. I won't read it on the air because that would be a a bad idea. Um. <laughs> anyway. John. John, by the way, is our producer. John, I so I'm not ever sure if I'm pronouncing your last name correctly. Is it La Follette? Is it La? F- I
3: lost my wallet, La Follette?
1: La, La Follette. Okay. Just
3: thinking the rhyme. I lost my wallet, La
2: Follette. I'll never get wallet, it
1: wrong. Well, I'm sorry. I've I've said a, that okay. wrong at least three times. I don't think
3: you
2: have
1: very often. Well, that's good. I just, not as much as some other just because I don't I say your name all that, you that often, though, right? Like that's that's not better.
3: Most people don't. Most people just say John because my last name is intimidating when it when you look at it. it's french it's americanized polluted french
1: it's that that's true hey john yeah well that's i mean that's your twitter handle right is espn 700 john
3: espn 700 john j-o-n-o-h
1: i'll tell you why we weren't able to get a hold of michael i put in the wrong number into our our show plan (laughs) i Um, I would think so we got a
3: an an interesting uh answer answer uh on the other end i don't know but it wasn't michael and it wasn't anybody that knew michael. <laughs> oh
1: dear. Well, uh yeah, we'll try to get him on next segment then. Sounds good. Um in in the meantime, I I want to talk about this um Gordon Hayward's blog uh, about how he the, what work he's putting in during the off season. Uh so like we talked about he's currently in Las Vegas with with Team USA and this mini camp. Uh you know, it's it's for him and he's talked repeatedly about what it what the experience of being with this USA team really means to him, uh, mostly just because of the the level of coaching that he's able to get at that level. Uh, so just kind of reading some key quotes I, I think that are really interesting. Uh, he says, you know, my focus since my first day in the league has become becoming a better all-around basketball player. We see that from his hashtag improve every day. Um, but he kind of gets into what kind of the minute details of what it takes to be a, a basketball a, a better basketball player at the NBA level uh said first of all he had the heel surgery last season or sorry this earlier this summer so uh you know it was frustrating because he couldn't put any weight on it but that being said he he could still focus on ball handling which i think is interesting because you'd think you'd need your feet but i guess it doesn't involve moving moving your lower body that much to be working on your ball handling maybe doing some sitting drills maybe some stuff with one leg whatever the case might be um just little movements with his ball handling and then just kind of the strength that it takes, actually. Uh you know, getting stronger again in, in your core, uh working with the team at St. Vincent in and in, in Indiana, excuse me. Uh, you know, becoming a stronger basketball player. Shouts out to Greg Moore, his strength and conditioning coach. Uh former basketball player so he says he knows he he knows a lot about what it takes to be a a strong basketball player rather than just a a bodybuilder because you know if you have too much of the wrong kind of muscle it's the wrong way to do it oh hey what do you know once once you get the right number to john here uh everything works a lot better michael are you there michael are you there oh maybe it maybe it doesn't work better can you hear me oh i can hear you excellent cool all right thank you for joining us i I put in. I typed in the wrong number for, for John here to try to call you. So we're we're sorry to call you late. Um, if you don't mind, if you've got the time, can I have you hold on over the break and, and we can kind of extend this debate a little bit?
5: I I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready.
1: Cool. So um, we've got a couple minutes before that break, though. So I'm, I'm going to kind of split it up into two segments here. First of all, you uh, you know you a writer for SLC Dunk at my is at my underscore low. Is that correct?
5: Yep, my okay. underscore
1: low. Awesome. Uh, you've kind of been a, a proponent on, on SLC Dunk for the Jazz, st- kind of standing pat with the point guards they have, with Trey Burke, Bryce Cotton, Raul Neto, uh, kind of taking taking the reins after Dante Exum's injury, and, and you kind of like to see more from them. Why is that?
5: Um, I would say if you're looking at it from a, from a general management point of view, I think they want to see the growth. Um, I think they've also planned for this. If there was more than one injury, um, of course that would be something to change their strategy. But um, they decided that this group group and this roster was was enough to go into the season, whether it was with Dante Exum or not. And honestly, um, with Dante Exum, based on his play last year, it was more of a leap of faith to go with Dante Exum and this group than it is to go without Dante Exum in this group because Dante was actually um, he was below value, uh, below replacement player level. He was um, he he struggled a little bit. Um, actually, uh, he struggled a lot. We started to see his defensive potential, but um, he had a lot of turnovers. Um, in fact, his pure point rating was lower. And when you look at these these newer crop, um, they look like they can really fill in, but. In addition to that, I think it really allows these players to build some value. A lot of the players that people are saying, hey, we should go after this player, the Jets should trade for this, or this this uh, this guy sitting there on the on the free agent wire. Well, these players, they have the chance to be, you know, these Damari Carroll type players, who's, um, even a Bryce Cotton, somebody who can come out of nowhere and really create a lot of value. And the Jazz can even use that value and leverage that value to, uh, once Dante Exum is back, to receive some assets in return that are going to really pay off when they're when we start have to pay, when the Jazz start have to be paying Rudy Gobert and and um, Dante Exum and Rodney Hood and have to start this next crop of of extensions.
1: So I guess I I see your point there, and actually that that's well argued. So you know, well done. Props to you. Small, <laughs> small bow, if you will. <laughs> Um, I, I think I though, I I guess I just worry about the kind of the impact that the poor point guard play has on the rest of the roster. You know, I looked at how much teams were kind of drifting off both Dante Exum and Trey Burke last season, kind of daring Trey Burke to shoot, uh, kind of almost double teaming Derek favors on those pick and rolls just because they, they wanted Trey Burke to take that mid range jump shot. Um, and you know, obviously ditto with Dante Exum who is, who is even worse on the pick and roll. I kind of want to see a, at least a capable point guard on the offense, uh, on the offense and defensive ends, to be able to open up some spacing for the Gordon Hayward's, the Derek Favors, the Rudy Goberts of the world. You know, we know, for example, Rudy Gobert is working on that little floater. I want to see more of that rather than having maybe two or three guys protecting the paint because they don't have anyone who can who can make a shot around them. Uh, and that's kind of what I see when I look at this current core of Jazz point guards. Is is a lack of shooting, and and I worry about the spacing that it that it will create for the rest of the players.
5: Oh, I completely agree with that. I think I think the spacing is, is a huge issue. The thing I worry about with trying to find somebody who can replace that shooting is I, I'm not sure if there's somebody available, say free agent wise, that's significantly going to improve that. That can't be improved to uh, through development with the current. Um, I think also uh, the Jazz. With those numbers, with you know how the how the, the team suffered, we also have to think that they're also playing Elijah Millsap a lot at, at that shooting guard position. They're filling in with Rodney Hood when he was coming back from entering and 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 not exactly shooting the ball that the way that he was towards the very end of that season, of last season, where he's starting to take off and really help spread that uh, uh, you know get some better spacing in there. Um, but I, I also think that if you look at, um, well, Neto's, um, his assist ratio, his assist ratio is very promising. Now, his turnover ratio is, is not very promising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having a, a, a turnover 25% of the time, is, I don't think, um, in Quinn Snyder's uh, plans. But his assist ratio, if you have a point guard um, of that caliber with, with Rodney Hood or Alec Burks on, um, or Glenn Hayward on the wing, and then with Rudy Gobert and Derek Davis, this is a, with those players out there, they need, those are the ones who need to feast. And if if either Raul Neto or Trey Burke or even Bryce Cotton can get to the point where they can be a knockdown shooter, they don't need to be um, be able to create for themselves, just yes, they need to be able to hit that knockdown shot. And I think the, the improvement that we saw with Demari Carroll under Quinn Snyder in Atlanta... That's promising. If if he can bring that type of development to to any of these point guards, he can just hit and open hit the open shots. If they can hit those open open jump shots, which will be theirs, um, then it's going to do a lot. But I also believe that the Jazz have a chance to really refocus and re- and 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 have a chance to to slide this over at the at the All Star break. When that trade deadline starts getting there, to, to play this crop out, see if it works. Because if they're able to not have to make a big trade or anything, then they can use that 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 cap space for actually a, a you know, for a salary dump or something to gain some extra assets. Because that's as they'll have one more prime year to do um, asset accumulation uh, before they really have to um, before they're really big into. Um, Play, you know, playoff contention mode. They're on the cusp of that, but they still. I, I still believe they still have one more year to, to get some prime assets that are going to help them later on down the line.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, you're sounding so reasonable here. Like this is, you know, these are kind of actually the similar arguments that have been presented to me by the front office. And actually, Michael, we got to take a break due to my own uh, self-imposed intelligence difficulties let's put it that way um do you mind holding, <laughs> do you mind holding on over this break and and we'll continue this conversation at, at the next segment sounds, sounds
5: awesome we'll continue
1: it all right sounds good we got to take a break you're listening to the salt city hoops show espn 700
0: you're listening to salt city hoops on utah's number one sports talk espn 700
1: all right welcome back into the salt city hoops show on espn 700 i'm andy larson with salt city hoops joining you um, we've got Michael on the, uh, Michael Lohman from SLC dunk on, on the line. So we, we want to continue Howdy. this. Hi, yes. Thank you. Um, we want to continue this point guard kind of discussion we, we were having before. We're on the topic for of Raul Neto. Uh, and you know, as you pointed out, his assist ratio is very good, but his turnover ratio is, is also very high, I guess I would say. So, you know, it's, it's not as good. What do you see from Raul Neto next season. You know, I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical. I have to be honest. As, as kind of a mid tier point guard in the ACB, I don't know how well he translates to the NBA level.
5: Um, I, I'm not sure how well he translates. I think his photos will translate really great. Um, <laughs> but uh, as far as when we saw him in international play, I think there were some games where he really he had he had some really great games, albeit they weren't against the highest level of competition um um where he really i uh, was kind of I, I hate saying rage on rondo s because he's i mean he doesn't have that length, but he just kind of he's not he's, he's not a pretty scorer. he's going to he's gonna get some rebounds and he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of sets. and it I, I mean there's a chance where we could see if if he gets major minutes we could see a line of like seven eight seven from him um yeah just for the sheer sake of him being in there. Um I think his biggest mock is really the turnovers and the shooting. Um and and those are things where if he was with the team last year, I think they would have been Quinn, I think would have been able to live with this. But I, I think the the team is in a different place. And um so I and that's why I I think I we see Trey Burke really starting out the season as a starter. Um but uh I think if people have heard um, that heard heard the Zach Lowe um, podcast, they were talking about um I think Amin was on there and he said uh, it would not surprise him if, if Raul uh, was, uh, was a was the starter by the end of the by the end of the year just by the way he, you know, can get get guys the ball um and is able to just lead lead the floor.
1: Yeah, Amin El-Hassan, or El-Hassan, I I always forget that he's, like, Americanized the pronunciation of his last name. um, At ESPN on Twitter, (laughs) let's put it that way. Uh, really likes Raul Neto. You know, he feels, as you pointed out, that he might be the starter just in terms because he, he passes the ball better than any other point guard. He's, he's a great setup point guard uh, in terms of being able to find people on the floor. Kind of, you know, the comparison I've heard, you, you threw out the Rajon Rondo comparison. I kind of like the um, poor man Ricky Rubio's comparison a little bit too, where, you know, again, not a good finisher at the rim, not a great shooter, uh, but can set up his teammates in kind of really creative ways.
5: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I I think um, I, I'm excited for what he what he can bring because I I think we all remember in that summer league when he when he came over and he just played in three games and Trey Burke had a rough summer league, but he he did outplay Trey Burke in that summer league uh, almost to the point point where um, I I had no fever. I I was I was ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but then he went back to Brazil and he did. He had a couple rough years when he went back. Um, and I I do think the turnover thing can improve just because of the way the the Jazz run their system. Um, I, I I think if if he can fall neatly in there, uh, it's going to cut down on those turnovers. Especially because the primary playmaker is going to be Gordon Hayward. I think they would have liked to have been able to hand the reins over to Dante Exum and say, Hey, let's you know take a little bit more pressure off of Gordon Hayward. But um, I think we're going to see a lot of that offense that we saw last year, um, with Gordon Hayward being the, the the primary ball handler, and and po- possibly even more of Rodney Hood that yeah. uh, by by default because of this.
1: Do you think that we see small lineups with, or sorry, big lineups with Alec Burks a point guard, or maybe you know you even could run Rodney Hood or Ale- or Gordon Hayward as and kind of use them as your de facto point guards.
5: I think the lineup that I'm actually excited and I, I think has a chance to be seen is actually a, a lineup with Elijah Millsap at
6: mm-hmm.
5: that position just because he is a bulldog on defense and he can really uh, get an opposing court guard out of, out of the groove. And so if if they had a lineup like that with, um, with Alec Burks there and Gordon Hayward as your ball handlers, um, they would still be able to bring that defensive intensity that they need um, and and also um, they would uh, if if Elijah improves his three point shot, he can just have somebody who can be a shot up shooter, when that to give that safety. So that's that's one I, I'm actually kind of excited about.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good defensive thing uh, roster. If if you know, I think Alec Burks has to show a couple more steps there, but uh, you know, I think that has some promise. That you, there's no reason you need the smallest guy on the court bringing the ball up necessarily.
5: No, um, I, I think uh, with it, it because we lost because the Jazz lost uh, Raul, uh, not Raul um, Dante. Um, really, the thing that you're replacing right there, if you're looking at what did he bring last year, what like what's the minimum we have to replace? Well, the minimum you got to replace is just that defensive length and and that defensive intensity. And that's not a—that's actually not a lot to replace. And that's why I, I don't think the Jazz need to go looking for anything else, because what you're looking to replace isn't that much. And if you're thinking that you need to replace more than that, then you're guessing on a projection that just hasn't come to, come to fruition yet. We would hope it was,
6: yeah.
5: but it's not. And, and to spend money that possibly, you know, something that wasn't going to happen uh, is... is it would be jumping a step and and as Ben Cynthia has said, tons of times we don't wanna we don't wanna skip steps in the process because um a lot of these young guys they're gonna develop in a different way and 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 honestly I think the other guys are, are patient with that. Yeah. And at the end of last season we saw them really kicking it into high gear without much of point guard production. And so the Jazz still can make the playoffs um not easily, but it, but they can make the playoffs as is right
1: now, yeah, I, I kind of agree. Um, I you know I think a more talented point guard may help them and you know make raise the chances that they make the playoffs. But ultimately, you know I I, I am kind of interested and I think you have you know maybe moved me a little bit on, on especially the the possibilities of Raul Neto and you know maybe Trey Burke or, or Bryce Cotton improves as well we got to go ahead and and wrap up, but uh, anyway, thank you, Michael, so much for joining us. Again, we can follow you at my underscore low or read your work on slcdunk.com. Awesome.
5: Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks again, Michael, for joining us. All right. Um, we've got like 30 seconds left in the show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. As always, you can listen to any of the interviews, Aaron Falk, Jody Genesee, or Michael Lohman later on on ESPN 700 uh sports.com saltcityhoops.com or itunes and stitcher the usa basketball game is going on right now currently 33 32 white over blue Um, it sounds like it's a it's a little bit of a loose game let's put it that way an exhibition game but anyway basketball in salt lake city salt city hoops show espn 700